we have got with us today Dr. Robert Stabler. Dr. Bob, good afternoon to you. Good to see you again. I haven't seen you for a long time. It's been a bit of a break, hasn't it? I've been off yes. doing conferences and learning lots of fascinating things. So we're going to talk about personalities today. Okay, great to have you talking about personalities. Danny Boz, hello. G'day, Dave. What have you got for us today? We're Danny? going to talk about cats today. We'll be interviewing uh, the treasurer of the Newcastle and Hunter Valley Cat Club, and they're holding a show. So we'll talk about different breeds of cats. We'll be doing that today, plus taking your calls on 49. 216216. It is Pet Chat till 1 o'clock. 2NURFM 103.7. It's Pet Chat. Danny has a very special guest, Danny. I do, thanks, Dave. What's new, Pussycat? <laughs> Fran Easter, who's the treasurer for the Newcastle and Hunter Valley Cat Club, she's also been breeding cats for 30 years, and the breed that, uh, of cat that she breeds at the moment is, is a British short hair. Hi, Fran. Hi, Danny. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome back to the show. You have been on the show once before. I have, yes. Now, your club is holding their annual show, their annual cat show this coming weekend. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Okay, the cat show's on Saturday at Lambton High School, which is in Young Road, Lambton. Yep. And we're open to the public from approximately 10am to 4pm. Okay. Yep. So, um, what kind of cats would the public be able to come and see? We've got we've got over 170 cats on show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's approximately 150 pedigree, and then there are 23, I think, domestic, um, okay. which is yeah, your normal your moggy, if you like to put it that way. But our domestic short hairs. Yes. And so there's a full range of the cats. You've got you know your Persians, your Siamese, your Abyssinians, your British, um, Bermillas, Selkirk Rexes, Russians. So. Um, a, a good arrangement of Norwegian forest cats, so there's a good, a good variety of cats there for the public to see. Was the breed of cat that looks a bit like a tiger, is that called Bengal? That's a Bengal, yes. Yeah, Bengal. Bengals there, yep. And you'll have them as well? Yes, there's Bengals on show. Oh, yep. What about the ones that don't have hair? <laughs> no, we don't have... That's called a sphinx. We don't have any of them there. Uh, there's not many around at the moment. They were very popular about five, six years da- ago. David actually thought they were called uh, Brazilian rather than <laughs> sphinx. That'd be right. Shaven. Shaven. Well, actually... Talking about the Sphinx cat, <laughs> I, had a, I had a customer come in in the store the other day and uh, her husband told her, you're not getting another cat. If you're going to get another cat, you've got to get one that's got no fur, no coat on it. That's the only cat I'll allow because I'm sick of all this coat around the they lounge room, around much, the place, everything you. like that. And uh, she smiled because she knew there was such a cat out, which is the Sphinx. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the maintenance of a cat like that. They, they do require, you sort of think, oh, because it has no fur, but easy to look after, but they do require bathing each day. You do have to keep their skin moisturised. Sunscreen? Like looking after a baby. <laughs> so you have to keep the skin moisturised all the time, otherwise it will crack and they'll get little sores and things like that. So oh. there is quite uh, uh, more maintenance in it than what you would normally think about, yes. And preferably they should be like indoor rather than outdoor. Oh, definitely indoor, definitely indoors. We, actually, we advocate that, that all cats should be indoors, um, kept indoors. They're, you know, if you want to have a run that'll take them outside and inside, that's fine. But, yeah, we don't advocate letting them run around the countryside and annoy people, other people in their yards and things like that. No. Uh, Fran, let's, last week we talked about dogs and dog breeds that are suited to different families. I wanted to ask the same kind of questions of you. Okay. So if I was a senior citizen, what kind of a, a cat uh, breed would be good for my lifestyle? 
probably something a little bit low key. Now your Persians, Himalayans, exotics, that type of thing, um, are a good p- a breed for an elderly person. They do require maintenance, which your Persians you do have to groom them all the time. But an, an older person that has the time, this is ideal for them. They can just sit there, and you know the cat will sit on your lap and and be very low key and will you know be groomed. Um, whereas a Persian for a very very busy family with children, it's yeah, you just don't get the time to do it. Also, you're pretty short hair. The, the one I breed, they're very good. They're a very low-key, easy easy cat. They sort of don't require a lot of maintenance and they're, ten- they're quite happy to lay around all day just waiting for you to come home and okay. they're not a mischievous cat, so they're good too. Yeah. And if and if it was a family with, with young kids, what kind of breeds of cats? more active because the children will play with it so your Abyssinians are very good your Burmese are excellent your Bermillas are a sweet little cat they're a sweet little cat they are your Russians your Russians are um, they like you know like the attention and as do your Selkirk Rexes the Selkirk Rexes are you know they're a really happy cat they're like you know pick me up pick me up pack okay. me pack me so yeah that type of cat yeah and w- what about a family who's got teenage kids well, most of them, um, they'll all they'll all cooperate with that. As I okay. said, probably uh, any of your yeah your active cats or yeah any of any of the cats for a teenage family. That's the sort of different to to under tens and that and that type of thing. So the under tens, the little girls want to play with them and nurse them and cuddle them, whereas um, the teenagers tend to accept them more just as a pet to have a bit of a play with for a while, and then off they go and do their homework type of thing. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Now, just one more thing again. Just repeat to us where the the cat show is held. It's on on this Saturday the seventeenth at Lambton High School, which is in Young Road, Lambton. Yep, and from ten a.m. ten till four. Yeah, 10 probably four. ten till three. By the time we finish judging and that, it's it's the the, the uh, public are most welcome to come in and watch the judging. Um, going on you can yes. just sort of um just stand there and watch them judging that the cats and things like that um and yeah and then just move around and talk to breeders about the different breeds and the different cats and things like that and what they have available and when they'll have kittens and that type of thing so there you go it's a great time to go and see some 170 types of cats out there dave that's a great thing isn't yeah, it yeah yeah all right it'll be a good show yeah excellent thank you fran okay thanks danny yeah, and if you want to see something funny, put baby booties on the cat. They hate having things on their feet. It's yeah. really funny watching how they walk with baby that, booties That's on. a welfare issue, David, oh. and I don't think you should be mentioning that on air. Oh, okay. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Turn his microphone off. He's the fun police here, folks. <laughs> 25 past midday. Pet chat this afternoon at 2 and you are FM 103.7. How about you give us a call? 49216216. Please don't be cat welfare people ringing, okay? Please don't call. Okay today. Our vet Dr. Bob here, Dr. Robert Stabler, talking about personalities today. Yes, Dave, I'd like people to ring in and tell us about what their animal's personality is like. Because from a scientific point of view, they've done various studies. Uh, One of the specialist behaviour vets in Australia, Jackie Lay in Melbourne, has actually done some amazing studies about what people describe their animals as. So I was wondering whether people would like to ring in and tell us. Is there as many different personalities, you think, in in animals as there is in humans? That's why I can't categorise them. I just... (laughs) My poor male brain gets very confused. So I... Yeah, there's just so many different um, types. The the office politician and the the manipulator and the... Oh, I'm fine. I'll roll over. That's okay. And, Mm. yeah, it's just fascinating. Well, our number is 49216216 if you'd like to call. We've got a call for you right now. Dr. Bob, it's Rod. Rod, how can we help you today? G'day, Bob. How are you? Good. 
good. Look, um, I've got a two-year-old uh, Kelpie Cross Labrador, yep. and over the last two to three weeks, she's sort of found herself in the mirrors and in the windows as we've done some house cleaning, that type of thing. And um, I've been sort of trying to figure out what on earth she's trying to do. She's growling, walking away. She'll go back about three or four feet, goes to the other window, growls at the window. I'm just wondering if that's sort of normal behaviour for a two-year-old or... It, it is um, something very interesting, and, it, and it's in the scientific literature. It's a um, recognition of self is right. the issue there. And so sometimes they do recognise self, and sometimes they think there's another dog or a cat looking yeah. through that, that window or mirror. So partly it's also play. So um, important being a Kelpie cross, she needs to have lots of exercise, not only physical running around, but yeah. mental challenge. So uh, naming a few extra toys so that she... Right. Um, um, has other things to get, and I would actually play with her with the toys and the mirror. Right. So I'd actually put the toy next to her and then toss it towards the mirror and it bounces back and she will catch a glimpse of it. So yep. it's certainly, being Kelpie, they can get a bit obsessive about things, so yes. interrupt yes, and redirect it if she, if she gets a bit carried away. Or if she starts she or if she starts preening herself and wearing your high heels, then that's certainly another issue that you need to be yeah, very careful well, about. Yeah, well, she has a bit of a fetish for my wife's shoes. We've gone through, <laughs> I reckon, about 25 pairs of thongs. Oh, she's eaten them, yeah. <laughs> part, partly what they're doing is they, they, it's the familiar family aroma. So when I talk to people right. about security blankets, rub your hands and feet on the towel, but um, the same with shoes. So often it's the bloke's yeah. shoes that are more smelly, so that's an interesting one. But <laughs> Whoops, I didn't say that on air, did I? Um, so try, try and redirect her to other things, so the towel and, and toys that you've played with. Your hands yep. and feet are on that toy, and so therefore they're more likely to play with them later. Righto. Thanks, Rod. And just, just, just yep. on another thing, just on, on, on her personality, yep. um, she is excessively, um, I'd have to say, protective of the two children I've got. Yes. Um, you know, I, if I go to say, if I growl at, at Liam, she'll come between me and myself and my son, yep. and, and she should, she'll just sit there. Yes, you know, and look at me as if to say, "Well, you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that." Exactly, and, and that's the herding you know. dog instinct. They certainly are very protective. A lady right. again the other day said exactly the same thing that that when they have other people over, um, right. she has to be very careful that the dog is not sort of thinking that they're threatening them. So it's very important to yes, okay, that's fine. Back on your bed. Thank you for letting right. me know. But yeah, right. so okay. yeah, that, that's so great. Much. She sounds like a great, great, great dog to have around. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Rod. Four nine two one six two one six. If you'd like to call Pet Chat, we've got Nancy with us now, Doctor Bob. Nancy, how can I help you? Oh, hello, Doctor Bob. Uh, I'm ringing up on behalf of my daughter. She has two eleven-month-old King Charles Cavaliers, and one of them has developed a little bit of a behavioural issue in the last month or two. Uh, when the youngest, she has two boys, ten and six, and the young one tends to perhaps pick this dog up that's giving the issues uh, perhaps we, we don't know whether he's picked him up a bit rough or not and, and so when Mitch goes to pick up the, uh, the dog that's growl he's growling at him like and she, my daughter's a bit worried that uh, the dog may eventually bite him so we think that maybe she uh, he might have picked the dog up and perhaps hurt him but we need to be able to try and um, stop the growling. She's spoken to the little boy about being careful picking the dog up. But what can we do to try and stop this growling? 
Very important, Nancy, that all children under 10 are always supervised around animals. Right. Especially boys, because as boys, uh, the Y chromosome, the teasing gene, um, we tend to push too far and we don't know when to stop. It's why yes. men are more likely to be bitten by dogs than women. So right. very important that um, you make um, your grandson aware of that. Uh, the growl is a warning. So it's sort of good that the dog is warning him rather than a nip or a bite or whatever. So um, when he does that, make sure that you stand between the two of them. Um, sort of, I don't like using this analogy, but it's neutral corners in boxing. So you send the dog to the bed and, and you, you ask the child to, to leave the area as well. Because okay. every time it escalates or that growling happens, um, it gets worse. So it's best to identify when it might be happening is it near food is it near when he's being silly and sometimes if it's inside it's a more confined situation so it's very um more intense and so it's more likely for a bite to actually happen um and and children are more likely to be bitten on the face by a dog they know in their own backyard or house because they think it's okay they push the boundaries a bit too far so very important to set standards for your children as well as for the animal, with the animal asking it to sit, stay, drop, go to its bed, outside. Basic sort of instructions that help them to know. Rather than yelling, very important to whistle, click or clap, not to allow it to, to practice doing the wrong thing, interrupt and redirect to something that's safe, but be very careful. And even though calves are, are very small, still a high potential for damage. We'll take a short break. We're back with Samantha in just a moment. Pet chat 49216216 at 2 in your RFM. Newcastle and Hunter Valley's 2 and URFM 103.7. It is Pet Chat this afternoon, 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call. Let's return to the calls right now. and We've got Samantha waiting patiently for us and you, Dr. Bob. Thank you, Samantha. How, how can we help you? Oh, hi. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got a, an 8-year-old, or he's probably 9-year-old now, Oriental Blue Cat. Yep. And um, a pedigree. Um, he was my mother's. I inherited him. Now, when my mother had him, he used to chew clothes. Yep. And um, nothing, you know, not the cheap stuff. Anything that was silk or, you know, expensive. Good taste. Um, good taste, yep. Yeah, very good taste. Um, and since I've had him, he hasn't done it as much, but he will still, you know, do it if he has the opportunity. Um, we try and keep him as active as possible. And we've got three other cats, um, so he's got plenty of other cats to play with. But just occasionally, if he gets into the, you know, the wardrobe or something... And he can, you know, start chewing on something. He'll just go for it, and he and he swallows it. Um, it the last thing was a lamb's wool coat. Um, so I'm just wondering why why his instinct to do this, and if there's any way I can stop it. It's actually a genetic predisposition. Certainly, Oriental type cats are more predisposed to wool chew or suck, um, and also depends on the animal as to whether they choose a slightly different material. Um, it is an obsessive compulsive disorder. It's certainly brought on by stress. So sometimes he'll get on well with the other three cats. Sometimes he might be a bit miffed or a change in the family routine or new neighbours or renovations. As you said, changing from mum's place to your place may have been a trigger for him to, to start chewing again. It's certainly something that, as you said, you need to give him lots of mental and physical challenge enrichment to keep his brain busy on good things so that we occupy the brain with play, with investigation, with trying to find the food, with seeking out high refuges. 
walking along high beams and just a okay. bit of interaction and relationship time means he's got right. less time to be silly and certainly it teaches you to close your wardrobe and put your clothes away rather than leaving them around <laughs> in the bathroom. Um, the problem is if he is chewing and swallowing, that can get stuck in his abdomen and that in his intestine and that can be very expensive. Very important to keep him up on a very high dose of either margarine or just a very small amount of margarine or some oil just to get things flowing through, Cadillacs, that sort of thing, because we don't want him to bind up. Hope that helps, Samantha. Okay, and we've got Diane joining us now. Diane, how can I help you? Maybe not. We had her there for a while, but we've lost her. So uh, if you'd like to call through, 49216216 is the number for Pet Chat. Getting back to personalities again, tell us some more about that. Oh, it's just amazing. I just learn something new every day from the people and their animals. It's just fascinating. And certainly the animal picks up a little bit of the people personality that they're with, partly because when you think about it, the animal is watching us all the time, watching what we're doing and, and how we behave in different situations. And they sometimes think, certainly if the family's a bit volatile, they yell a bit, then certainly the animal is more likely to be a little bit more expressive in it, in the way it deals with things. So um, watching closely, and it's exactly the same as children, really. We think animals have an understanding of a one- to two-year-old child. So they are really picking up language and, and how we behave. And people say, oh, no, the kids aren't really listening. Well, they are. And so are the animals. So, yeah, try not to argue too much in front of them because they will be using that against you later. I have a question for you, Dr. Bob. I am taking care of a couple of snakes at the moment. Do and they have personalities? <laughs> I won't be visiting. Uh, nor me, actually. <laughs> um, I have to say they're not my cup of tea either. I wasn't too happy. I actually had someone tell me last week, and I asked that question, do they have personalities? And, and they said, you bet. Yes. Some are really, you know, they're very people-orientated and they're relational sort of thing, and they have a great time partly teasing, partly, you know, exploring. Other ones just, yeah, they're just, stay away they're from them. They're pythons, but yep. once, once they're still young. One's yep. about one... One metre or so, yeah, and just, the other one's a growing. bit shorter, just still growing. Baby. <laughs> but I haven't had the courage to take them out of the enclosure and hold them yet. What are you feeding them? Well, they eat mice. mice. Yeah, yeah, very, yes, very, yes. every so often, certainly once a month or something. Yes, it's yeah. not very often, no. and there's not a lot of cleaning to do. No. Because they eat that once a month, or depending yeah. what, what quantity, therefore... Do they not sleep a lot? A lot? Yeah. Yes, uh, during, they do, they do sleep a lot in the night time, obviously. <laughs> but but even sheep have different personalities. The more time you spend with sheep or cattle, you actually see the different personalities coming through in dairy herds. You have the, the cow that wants to go in first to the milking shed. Mm -hmm. You have the one that wants to go in last. You have the one that wants to go in with a friend. And, and, and it's just amazing. So the more you look and the more you observe, and since we're in National Science Week, have a look at your animal and well, see what they're doing. There's, in the enclosure, there is little caves. Yes. And each one has its own cave it yes. goes into. Every night it'll go into its own cave. Yep. So yep. it's very interesting. Very and much then, creatures of habit and routine. Yes, and then during the day when it is warm and they're out and about and they're, you know... Exploring. Um, exploring the enclosure and they're... Yeah. Is that the whole house that they're up. exploring, Danny, or just just the, the enclosure. enclosure? No, no. The first two nights, I, I almost couldn't sleep because I knew I had snakes in that <laughs> house. <laughs> We're all different. We, yeah, some of us cope with that, and some, some of us don't. I thought it would be a very good experience for me because legislation's it changed. It is. Pet stores now can get a license yes. to have reptiles, so I might have to get used to them. <laughs> but but it is very much, Danny. It's deep breathing, so it's just okay. literally. 
calming yourself down yeah. because every animal feels and senses and smells what we're feeling. Yeah. So if the, if the animal senses that, that makes them more nervous. And so we have to be calm. We have to think happy thoughts. Yes, it hasn't got big teeth. And if it does bite, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will get some antibiotics and I'll be fine. So it's allowing it to slither around your neck and up over no, the top of your yes. head. And, and I make and sure the enclosure is locked and <laughs> before I go to bed because, you know, I don't want anything happening to me while I'm asleep. Then there's, then, <laughs> then there's the stories of the animals that escape enclosures that are locked, yes. But we won't go into that now. No, please. Then. All right. Nightmares. <laughs> Two in your RFM, 103.7. <laughs> we like to continue with your calls. We'll do that right now. Hello, who's calling? Hello, Hello. it's Cherie. Cherie, how can we help you? Um, I have a diggy dog. Um, she's a Shih Tzu Maltese cross, um, and she seems to, like, ferret into the, like, she'll, it's like she's looking for bugs or so, I've got no idea, and she's actually dug all of our septic area up, she's dug in maybe two and a half to three feet in some areas, just straight down into the ground, and she'll just, it's like she's listening for something, and she'll jump and pounce on it, and then dive in a little bit further, and dig, 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 and dig, 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 dig. And I'm at my wits. I'm at my wits end with her at the moment. I've got her on like a, a, a run. She's got a collar and sort of lead that she's only got a short area or not a, a sort of an area to run in. But she just keeps digging, and I can't stop the digging. And any of your family coal miners at all, uh, Cherie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I grew up in the coal fields area. <laughs> Mostly, what it is is um, that the animal is hearing and or smelling something. And mm -hmm. so it is just really having a great time. So it's like a marijuana high. The more it yeah, digs, the much. more fun is. And so um, trying to redirect that to something else will be difficult. Um, yep. Often when I first started doing this 15 years ago, people would talk about having a, a, a sand pit for their animal. Really in 1800 consults, I've only seen about five or ten animals that really like a sand pit. Um, partly because the sand gets in their eyes and their ears and it's not very nice. But Oh, no, this does not phase this little one at all. <laughs> she will dig and dig and dig. She's come at, She's a, like a sandy colour, but she's come out like black up to her face. The only thing I've seen, like coloured, not the, her natural colour is her ears. Yep. And the rest, she'll just get filthy, putrid, dirty. She just yeah. doesn't, it she, doesn't phase her. She is enjoying it a lot. So the important thing is to ask her to do other things. So when you see her doing it, take her out. Um, yep. dust her down, play tug-of-war with a towel or a toy and, okay. and then um, alternate a few short walks, so a five-minute walk in the morning and at lunchtime and at night. So she's yep. out there sniffing other smells outside the yard. Um, okay. Well, we do, so we do live on a bit of property, so there is like... There is other smells and things yep. and cattle and stuff Good. around that she's sort of other smells she's getting. Good. So it's important to actually take her out to have a look at those things. So put her on lead, take her for a walk through the property, smell all the different things that are going on. Nice to be off lead, but important as part of the leadership and the parenting and boundaries to put her on lead, short lead, so she has to stay next to you and heal and do the right thing. Then long lead so she can sniff a bit. And then if she's good and not going to get trampled by cattle, um, then off lead. But then getting her back on again. So it keeps her brain busy looking at you, asking you what, uh, what you wanted to do. So it's really important to give her other mental and physical challenge. Um, just one other thing, Sheree. The, Dr. Bob's mentioned behavioural issues. Maybe something just to help cut down that routine and that habit that she has got. I know when I've had that problem with my dogs, just regularly trimming their toenails. 
helps because they're quite mm. sensitive and therefore they don't like the feeling and sensation they get when they're digging the holes. While that might just help as well together yep. with the behavioural issues and tactics that Dr Bob has said. And, right. and, and feeding them a few times a day as well. So they've got mm. other things to think about rather than just the digging because it is really good fun. And we've got Diane joining us right now. Diane, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. How can I've we help got, you? I've got a chook which we rescued from the Henrys 12 months ago. Yep. Um, McPhee weighs about, oh gosh, six kilos. Yeah. Uh, she's only about 12 months old. She's very lethargic. If she gets on a breast, okay, on the ground... She can't get up? She can't breathe properly, she gasps. She can't walk too far because she's so heavy. Yeah. Um, she gets very exhausted. She doesn't scratch, she doesn't forage... Mm doesn't do anything. Am I being cruel by keeping her alive? It would be best to get a vet check done to make sure that there's no other influences there. It may be that she's not actually a layer. She might have actually been a meat, meat chook. A meat chook. So unfortunately, yeah. we've genetically modified them, made them to grow really quickly. So once yeah, they and get... breasted. And, and very big breast and very big um, muscles. And so they are actually not able to function yeah. over a certain okay. age. They just get so uh -huh. big. They can't breathe, as you said, so it'd be better to get her checked and see whether she's actually, I know it sounds terrible, gone past her ability to, to move around and be content and, and, and peck and forage. I and guess uh, at the end of the day, if, they were, if it's a meat chook that's been yeah. bred for commercial meat, yeah. Um, yeah. They're not, they haven't thought of living that long, really. They no. don't live that long. They've really. changed them so much. Who's living at Dye's house? Yeah. Yeah. She comes and sits with me every day and has a cup of tea and every time I'm out there she's with me and we Good. worm hunt together. And Good. And Good. I, absolutely, I, I'm, I'm, I worship the chalk. I absolutely love it, but I feel like a bitch because I'm keeping it alive because she looks so uncomfortable. So best to get a, another opinion so it helps you to make that decision if you do have to come to it. But they do love, as you said, relationship time and that's all animals. They love to be with us mm. and part of the family, so... Take it down to your regular vet and, and see what, what they think. And we've got Dennis joining us right now for you, Dr. Bob. Dennis. Oh, g'day. That call is very disturbing. Um, anyway, I've got a possum here that lives in the cavity in the bathroom, detached. Yep. I've had him here for several months now. He just appeared, so I've been putting food out for him, yep. um, corn and such. Um, and last night he, I heard him coming out, um, and I sat down where I usually do, and he come out and he ate his food, and then he sat down a bit further, and for about an hour, and I had a look up at him, um, and he his tail's gone. Okay. When he first was here, he had a a what big black tail, um, and there was a mark on his chest. I think that um, indicates it was a female. Um, the important thing is, um, I guess, Dennis, is that possums, it's a tough world out there. Nature is not, yeah, it might look nice and pretty, but it's really a dog-eat-dog a -dog world. And unfortunately, if it has lost its tail, it's lost its ability to, to balance. Um, feeding it is, um, while a nice thing to do, the problem is that it, it may actually prolong its, its suffering. Um, it's going to be, um, yeah, if you can catch it, get it checked uh, at your regular vet to see what's happening. Um, the difficulty with possums is that trying to, to put them back into their, their regular um, 
environment is quite difficult because once they're gone, there's a whole new set of hierarchy that happens around them. Partly why he probably sat near you is that he wasn't game to go back outside. Um, and, yeah, it's just one of those sad things about mm. science, nature, the world, that mm. we can't rescue everything, as with the lady with the chalk, great friend, but sometimes there's a time when you have to make a decision. Alrighty, we're almost out of time. Thank you very much for today, boys. Denny, you'll be away from us for a couple of weeks Yes, now. I will. Uh, I'll be back in September. Thanks, Dave. I think we've got the, our vet Kimberley with us next week, Dr. Dr. Bob. Kimberley's here next week. We will look forward to that. Thank you for today, boys. My pleasure. It's Pet Chat. Denny Bolls there. Also our vet, Dr. Robert Stabler. Back again next week. We'll have Pet Chat from midday to one at 2NURFM. Weather update for our sponsor, which is Hunter Motor Group, Maitland for Subaru, Volkswagen, Honda and I, Suzu Ute. A bit of cloud cover continuing that way at 21 degrees at Beresfield. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons now at 2 in your RFM.